because I think within either communities or certainly within society, we're getting better at saying you should look after yourself. So well, and obviously positive psychology is the science of well-being, so I know it quite well. We're getting much better at that. And uh, we're getting much better at saying you should exercise, you should take time off. But and I suppose my big thing is, and who's talking about spiritual well-being? Welcome to the Social Fabric podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week my guest is Fiona English. Fiona left the world of corporate finance to study and coach in positive psychology, the science behind what makes people and communities flourish. One of the projects she's working on revolves around spirituality and the ultimate aim of empowering individuals to understand and prioritize the spiritual well-being in life. We agreed to record a podcast with a difference, where while I get to delve into Fiona's passion and musical choices, Fiona gets to ask me about spirituality. You can find more episodes on socialfabric.ie, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Only a few seconds of the music choices is played in this podcast for rights reason. You can find all the songs on Social Fabric playlists on Spotify. The program is also broadcast weekly on Dublin's Near FM 90.3. Please share, download, and review. It's the only way independent podcasts like this have a chance to survive. If you want to get in touch with the program, please email me at infosocialfabric.ie. Finally, just a quick reminder that on the 30th of January 2020, I will be hosting the first of a series of live podcasts in the Whale Theatre in Greystones, County Wicklow. The guests so far include Ruth Fitzmaurice, Susan Steele, the Happy Pair Twins and Dean Newell. Tickets are still available at the time of recording on whaletheatre.ie. Much appreciated and hope you'll enjoy. Can I call you up a while on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Sit and talk a but I like the idea of um, you getting out there and talking to as many people as you can. Yeah, and a lot of people have said to me, oh, you know, you should have your own podcast. And I suppose I didn't want this to be about me. I wanted this to be about other people. And um, so that was where I came up with the idea around kind of reverse podcasting, as I'm calling it. Somebody should come up with a better name for a start. <laughs> but I kind of like the idea that different people with different groups of listeners, the conversations will be different, diverse. And yeah, I think it's lovely. So anyway, I'm talking to Fiona English, and I know we're talking about this reverse podcast, which is a fabulous idea. So you'll be asking me some question about spirituality or whatever you yeah. want to ask me. There's absolutely no problem. But I think for the sake of continuity, we're going to keep a similar enough format where every now and then I'm going to ask you about your song choice. So sure. we get delve into a little bit more into your uh, your history, your story as such. And I suppose before we start on anything, let's uh, start from you and what are you doing now? Why are you doing it? Give us a bit of an idea of how, how do we get to... How do we get to today? Yeah. 
Um, so I suppose the first thing that people say to me is that they're really surprised that I am in so interested in spirituality and meaning in life. So I spent my first career in investment and um, I worked for an Italian company, actually. Um, so I have many Italian friends um, and I spent a lot of my time traveling the world, speaking about economics and equity markets and so forth. But I was always really interested in human potential, who we are. I was a big fan of Abraham Maslow, for example. I was always reading about the hierarchy of needs. And that, I suppose, was my what I would call, you know, we all have this kind of interest to the side. We're all very interested in psychology. And I was kind of interested in mythology and spirituality. And I suppose that was formed out of I had decided at a very young age that I wasn't that interested in being involved in religion. Um, I found, found it a bit, a bit controlling. I was a woman. I didn't feel that it supported that. Um, so I didn't attend mass or anything like that. But I think as soon as I decided not to do that, I kind of created a vacuum in my life that I probably spent about 20 years then trying to fill. Um, so it was kind of like I would describe it. It was there in the background and um, I was interested in it, but probably in a very intellectual way. I was reading books about it rather than engaging with it. And there was probably something about it that um, I would say almost scared me a little bit because I didn't want to commit to being involved in anything because I felt that meant I had to join an organization or I had to I had to label my myself and say, oh, well, I now do this. So that was kind of in the background. Um, and I think that it was growing and growing inside me as something that I needed to explore more. So I often talked about I'd love to do a course in comparative religion or I'd love to study psychology more, but really in the self and, and who we are as people. So then two years ago, um, actually about four years ago, I decided to train as a coach. Um, I always kind of felt that that was a bit of a calling for me working with people. And I did it at the same time as um, working when I was continuing to work in investment. And then two years ago, I decided that I would leave my job. Uh, decided I felt I needed a change, needed to do something different. Um, and at the same time, I had booked a retreat to go on, uh, I would say about six months before I left my job. And it's funny how sometimes your life collides. All of these things happen at the same time. Um, and I went on this retreat uh, and it was very much focused on who you are as a person and what you bring to the world. And um, so one of the guides, Treby, talked about how your deep hunger meets the world's need. Um, and I suppose on that retreat, I really got into the fact that I felt that I was looking for greater connection, greater spiritual well-being, being able to connect into myself, connect to others, connect to the planet. Um, and I recognised that that was a part of myself that I wasn't nurturing at all. I was ignoring it, if you like, because I, I hadn't found exactly what that looked like for me um, and out of that came the idea and um, I suppose that they were what the idea behind the retreat it's called lead like a river the idea is to try and find how are you supposed to lead in the world in a better way um, and within that you find I suppose what are you looking for yourself and that's going to tap into something that the world is looking for in general um, and so out of that I came up with the question and the idea that we needed to build community around spirituality that doesn't focus on somebody being right or wrong spirituality doesn't focus on what I say or what you say but that we kind of hold safe spaces for ourselves that we can have open conversations about what it means to different people. 
So that kind of sparked an idea within me. And then I had to go and try and figure out, well, how am I going to do this now? Because an idea is great, but then the kind of the execution of it, as you would know, trying to even, I'm sure setting up a podcast would be the same, that what does that look like? Um, so I decided to do a master's in positive psychology, which is the psychology around communities and individuals and how we can live a flourishing life. Um, and I used that as a platform to research spirituality as a lived experience. So what I did was then I interviewed people and basically and asked them the question, what does spirituality mean to you? So it's very much an open question rather than saying um, I want to prescribe this or I want this to look like something. I I wanted to understand in today's environment where more and more people are considering themselves to be spiritual but not religious. What exactly does that look like? Because I even joke, I call myself a spiritual person. But the first question that I want to ask myself afterwards is what does spirituality look like to you? So I did a research study about it, did my dissertation on it and um, it was an amazing experience. And then thereafter, I thought, well, how can I, I, I suppose, bring this further? So I knew I wanted it to be a platform for saying we need to talk about this more. We need to nurture this part of ourselves more. We need to talk about the soul more. People run away from that idea. We're quite comfortable with the mind, but less so with the soul. Um, and I, it always came back to the same thing for me, that we need to provide a platform for questions. Um, so we were talking earlier just before uh, you started recording or maybe when you had started recording about why did I not launch my own podcast? And I thought, actually, this is about diverse voices. I'm going out into the community and saying I'm going to provide a number of different platforms for you to ask questions of yourself and then for you to ask questions of other people. Um, And I think if we can do that, it's very powerful. Um, So I suppose that that's a really short two minute version of how did Fiona English end up on a podcast talking about spirituality. But that is, I suppose, the the genesis of it. Brilliant. Okay, well, give me your first song (laughs) and then I'll ask you one more question. Then you can ask me whatever you like. (laughs) Very good. Um, My first song is uh, Sting. If I ever lose my faith in you. Right. And any particular reason? Um, so I really struggled with picking the songs. Um, and I think all my friends are probably breathing a sigh of relief that I didn't just jump into 80s music, which they know I have a, a, a particular love for. Um, I picked this because I love Sting anyway. I think his music is really um, emotive. Um, this particular song obviously talks about faith. Um, and talks about losing faith in different things and different institutions. Um, And I suppose that that resonates with me. But ultimately, it talks about not losing faith in you. And I'm sure he's talking about a different person, but I actually, it resonates with me as in the person, the thing you shouldn't lose faith in more than anything else is yourself. Um, And I think there's something about trust there and trust in yourself. A lot of things that are very interesting. One thing just caught my attention, um, a 20-year vacuum mm. that you find yourself. So I'm guessing you did your studying, you find yourself in the in the financial world, um, and that has its challenges, and it, it brings you around the world, and you get caught up in the money. And all of that. All of that, <laughs> you know, which is, which is, which is fine. I mean, it's it's life career. as well. It's a, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah. You know, a young woman, you, all of a sudden you're there traveling the world, your money in your pocket is all great. 
But you mentioned a vacuum that it took 20 years to fill. Did it manifest itself year on year? Did you find more like there's something missing here? There's mm. something missing. Is it building up? Or after the 20 year with more maturity, you went, okay, I need to do something else. This is not where I'm at. It is know. not where I'm at. I think probably a combination of those two things. So I probably had, um, I, I'm, I've been meditating for 10 years. So it's not like I just woke up two years ago and decided actually mm. I need more. So there was always bits and pieces. I was always obsessed with religious buildings, for example. Like, you know, I like churches, despite the fact that I don't like um, going to religious services. Mm. Um, when I go on holidays, I always tend to gravitate towards spiritual places. I've been to Bali, I've been to the Himalayas. Um, and when I go there, one of the first things that I try and find even when I go to Spain or I go to Latin America is I still go and look at churches um, I've done the Camino de Santiago um, I find hiking actually a spiritual practice nearly in itself I feel very connected to the world when I'm, when I'm doing that so I hike a lot um, so I would say there was a vacuum in terms of I felt like I was seeking something but I was probably getting enough to keep me going. And um, whether that was I'd go to a yoga class or I was meditating at home or I'd go to, on a vacation which had, I suppose, spiritual elements to it. But then I'd go back to my day to day life and I didn't really have any spiritual practice and I wasn't sure what I believed. So I suppose it was a bit of trying to get what am I comfortable with and um, what, what do I believe? And giving myself permission for that to be a priority in my life. Because I think within either communities or certainly within society, we're getting better at saying you should look after yourself. So well, and obviously positive psychology is the science of well-being, so I know it quite well. We're getting much better at that. And uh, we're getting much better at saying you should exercise, you should take time off. But and I suppose my big thing is, and who's talking about spiritual well-being? So are we saying that your mind is okay, your body's okay, but like who are you as a person? Are you nurturing that part of yourself? Um, and I feel I obviously I'm a coach, I feel very strongly about that. Without that, you well, who are you? Like, you know, that's actually your identity. But nowhere in society are we creating um, a, a place for that. Um, and I guess that without that, I didn't prioritise it. And that's my fault. I mean, I have agency in my own life. Um, but but I think in general, we don't see it as being a priority and we don't encourage other people to do it. So I never saw it. I didn't see it the same way I saw going to the gym. I didn't see it the same way I saw meditating. Um, and what I've just realised is, um, and I'm just one individual, it's absolutely fundamental to who I am. If I don't do things to cultivate that part of myself now, everything else is lessened. Everything else is not as bright. So. Okay, so that's 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 interesting. That basically what you're saying there, um, like soon enough will be the first of January, and we're all gonna sign up to the gym for mm -hmm. three months, and, and we're all gonna go because we believe it's gonna make us feel better. But there's nobody out there telling us at this moment in time, go and gather and be spiritual and mm. find. I suppose find yourself as well. Find yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think that you have to necessarily do it with other people. Mm. Um, and something that came up in my research was a lot of people prefer to practice alone. Um, and that would not be the case with traditional religion where it was seen as being community based. Um, 
But I think that what I, I suppose what I'm saying to people is prioritise who you are and connecting with yourself. Because if you can't, con- if you don't spend the time connecting in there, then you can't connect with the people around you and you definitely can't connect with the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's manifesting most obviously in climate change, absolutely incredibly bad leadership globally, um, that it's almost like, like we're out of control. Like, you know, where if you just try and come back to yourself as an absolute starting point, and set an intention for yourself that you will do something every day that connects you back into who you are uh, into the authentic part of yourself rather than kind of what everybody else wants you to be. I think there's something very powerful in that. Um, and I think that if you prioritise that part of yourself, you're nurturing who you are. Um, and I think that that's what I've learned to do. OK. Give me your second song. <laughs> My second song is... Um, my second song is Alive and Kicking. <laughs> um, so I had to throw in one that wasn't too contemporary, obviously, because anybody who knows me well knows that that's my natural home. Um, and I love this song. I've always loved this song. It's on my running playlist. Um, and I feel really alive when I listen to it. Um, and actually, when I walked out of work the day I resigned and I put it on my in my earphones and I was walking home, it was the first song that came on. So I always every time I listen to it, I remember that sometimes you have to take a chance on yourself in life. And, and I listen to it sometimes when I feel like I can't take a chance on myself in life. And it kind of opens me back up and, and keeps me bright, if you like. You turned me on. I'm going to keep asking a question until you ask me more. Oh, well, so I'll ask you a question and then we can that. alternate between the two. <laughs> Let's do it that way. Yeah. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background to, I suppose, how I interviewed people mm. and, and what I wanted to do. So when I was choosing my research method, obviously you can do quantitative or qualitative and qualitative really resonates with me because I'm really interested in people. So probably a bit like yourself, I like mm. hearing people's stories and um, it's very natural in coaching. You're always asking people about themselves. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, so because I did qualitative research, I basically asked people to give some time to me where I would interview them for maybe 90 minutes about spirituality in their life. Um, and every interview was different. I had some questions I wanted to ask, but then probably like you are doing, I'd go off on a tangent because they said something interesting and I'd want to know more about that. Um, so I suppose I want to understand a little bit about spirituality in your life. Uh, so my first question is, what is your experience of spirituality in your life? Okay, so I've been thinking quite hard about this because... Uh, <laughs> uh, Glad to hear it. <laughs> no, I have, because I've always been fascinated by the the difference between spirituality and religion mm-hmm. and uh, the model that happens between the two at times. And you, even the few things you mentioned there earlier that I will ask you about later on, Okay. Uh, about places you visit, like the churches, the temples, which is all fabulous. And that's, uh, that's a place of worship that normally is associated with a particular religion sure. uh, and so just to give you a story I lived in India for a number of years maybe it was close enough to four years uh, I lived there um, with my now wife and we were working there and we lived in Bangalore and uh, and there was a place we used to go shopping there and a bazaar in the middle of the city 
And it was the most amazing place. In the middle on the square, there's all the food and clothes you can buy. And each in the each of the four corners of the square, there was St. Mary's Church, there was a Muslim mosque, and there was a Hindu temple, and there was, a, I think it was a Jan, uh, another religion. So it was, it was phenomenal. You, any time of the day, if you're there a certain time, you hear the mosque, uh, certain times you'd see people walking in, and people walking in other temples, uh, or churches, or whatever you want to call it. And I thought that was the most amazing place, because effectively, to my mind, um, that meant a place for people to gather, to share their experience, to to pray, meditate, whatever the religion mm-hmm. asks you to do. Um, I'm I always consider myself non-religious. I spent a lot of time um, my school my schooling years in Rome, which is obviously under the the shadow of the Vatican. I went to school in a nuns' school, so my primary school was just dictated by the nuns and every I think we would go to praise every day and churches every Sunday and all sure. that and it was very much like the moment the school ended it was like okay that's it that's done with that move on and my family they weren't religious so there, there was no pressure and doing confirmations and anything like that but a bit like you although I don't, I don't consider a vacuum from that day on I was went okay what is this all about what's What's this big idea of yeah. of God or whatever it may be? So it's been a soul searching. And it, I think it will always be there. And there will be a soul searching. To the point that now I believe my spirituality is something completely different from religion. It's something that I, I find where I'm with the right people in the right situation. It could be a run, could be a coffee, could be a pint. Uh, uh, depending on the conversation, depending on what, if that conversation really means something they can really feel within yourself. Um, the, just to give you an idea, it was at a, unfortunately I was at a funeral of a friend of mine's wife recently. Um, it was in a large uh, Catholic church in Greystones where I live. And I was standing because the place was packed and, and I was looking around um and I thought it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. There's also so many people, and there was a lady right beside me, just underneath me, really. And she must have been in her nineties, I don't know. And she knew all this, the script, getting up, getting down, kneeling down. And I thought, maybe forty years ago, maybe the church was always packed, and all of her friends were mm-hmm. here, and it was it was beyond the, the religious. There was more. There was a community aspect to it. While now we're the church was packed because of a funeral in a couple of months time or next month it'll be packed because it's Christmas and then it'd be I don't know whatever all the other mm. thing and has lost to my mind has lost the meaning of gathering has lost um, why why we get together why we sit down and and pray um, I don't pray I never have I mean, I did when I was in school because we were made to pray mm. it didn't mean anything to me I didn't understand it, um, and now I got to a point where I don't believe there is a God. Now, uh, strong enough to be uh, arrogant enough to say I don't believe, or do you say you do believe? It's it's the same coin, which way you look at it. You know, yeah. I can't say, and somebody else can tell me that exists. But I guess 
my my biggest problem, which I'm sure you'll find through your research, my biggest problem is the the monetization and the the grabbing of the religion from human beings, mm-hmm. or what is a priest or a rabbi or or whatever this you know. But I do believe that the spirituality and now it's gone into meditation and mindfulness and all of that is what you're talking about. Who who are you and mm-hmm. what what are you here for? And and I guess one of the reasons I'm doing this, this is a hobby, like it is mm. not my job. I don't get paid for it and I don't pay anybody by the way. I don't <laughs> <tell> you <laughs> you're not getting anything out of it. But one of the reasons I'm doing this because I do believe um it's a small um contribution to society. Um for whatever it's worth. I don't know what it's worth. Some people message me and say look I, I find this is really interesting conversation because and i'm hoping this will be one of them and i'm guessing that's part of my soul searching my spirituality mm. to see can i do something can i leave this place a slightly better place than when I, what i found as opposed to give out a badge or and and the other thing that i i actually listened to today there was a woman talking about and it was very really interesting. She was saying women's vote, um, the, the end of slavery, all of these important things that changed didn't change because of the politicians, mm. didn't change because the government said, OK, let's stop slavery or let's give the girls a vote. It stopped because one or two people, the Rosa Parker of this world, of Luther King, mm-hmm. just got up and said, no, I'm going to make a change. Um, and what you're saying is the same thing, like within yourself, you surround yourself with the right people and you create your own spiritual uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, no. that's a, kind of an idea of where I see spirituality. And if I can pick up on something that you said, mm. um, because I'm very, I suppose something I'm very clear about is that I feel that people should have agency in their spiritual choices because um, I suppose the control element of religion was something that really bothered me. So. And it was very funny within my research and um, people came at this from so many different angles. Mm. No, there was no uh, there was a commonality to the experience of spirituality, but everybody took a different path. But what one of the big things that was common to it was connectivity. And I think that that's what you're talking about mm. as well, how you don't necessarily have to believe in something, but you want to be connected to something, mm. you know, and that that was a very, and a lot of people did believe and they believed in the idea of an embodied connection that, you know, there's a universal life force. There, there wasn't somebody sitting in a cloud kind of mm. as a presence. It was something that was within us all and the idea of oneness, the spiritual interconnectedness mm. of us all. So that was a really predominant team. So, so even though you're you you don't necessarily have a belief as such. You believe in the, necess- the necessity for connection. Absolutely. And I think that that's very spiritual. Absolutely. And that I, I think that's the key um, to a lot of the issues we have um, as a society is that community, that connection. That's, and that's really the basis of these conversations is passion and community. How do we marry the two? Yeah. How do we allow... Fiona that talks about spirituality to be able to sit down with the last guest that happened to be a musician mm. and his music it might not be spiritual but guess what all the people who go to his concerts find a common 
the nominator, you know. And so. music is a very spiritual um, experience, absolutely. And yeah. it's it's a very, um, we all achieve a certain level of self-transcendence at a concert, if you like. And sure. there's a common thing sure. because we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time. So that's what I mean. It can, it can be so many different things. So. Absolutely. OK, let's play another song. What would you like? Um, OK, so actually you mentioned Surrender there. So again, I struggled the same with Sting. I struggled with U2 as well because I also am a big fan of U2, but I only wanted to pick one song. So I picked the moment of Surrender. This song's actually very special to me. So I mentioned earlier on the retreat that I had been on. Um, so I would say that that was a real pivotal moment in my life. Um, you know, I just happened to have booked this retreat at a time that I was going through change. Um, and it's a real deep dive into who you are. And it's run by um, two amazing guides, uh, one um, Eugene and Trebi. Um, and the idea is that you're literally trying to get into who you are as much as possible. So it's very hard work, some of it during the week. Um, but it also, in the middle of it, they send you out to do a solo experience. So you go out at sunrise and you spend the day. We hike up the day before you get out, up, out of your tent the next morning. Go out at sunrise, spend the day alone, no food, just water, connecting with nature and trying to figure out uh, like no distractions. Like, you know, I always have people say, you know, I'm trying to find my purpose or I'm trying to connect more with myself. But we need to remove all the things that we do to distract ourselves. So I spent uh, the day up there um, and when I came back, I knew that I wanted to do something that allowed people to connect um, and that allowed people to understand and to prioritise their spiritual well-being. Um, and when I was lying on the bed, when I came back down that night, um, I turned on my iPod and I listened to that song. And there's a sign, a line on it about coming back to your soul. Uh, and I felt that that's what I had done. Um, so sometimes when I'm feeling a bit scrambled now or I don't feel very soul aligned, I listen to that song and I remind myself of, of why I'm doing this, this, this work or trying to have conversations about it, if you like. So. you've been doing sure. sounds fascinating because as you say everybody's a different idea because I'm convinced that for whatever reason we are moving away from that spirituality that we we need to have and we needed to have and before it was almost imposed on us mm -hmm. but at the same time it gave us a place to to meet it gave us a place to share experience and now we I think we live in an era of self-made gurus. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we can all do a video of ourselves, whatever, yeah. doing whatever. and Everybody people. wants to be a YouTube star. Yeah, yeah but also, I, th I think it's important. It's important to see regular people, whatever they do in front of the camera and telling other people why they're sharing that experience, which I guess before was done on the steps of the church or in the temple. Yeah. What did you find through your research in terms of people's experience of spirituality and the lack of? I mean, was it, what, did you find something people were saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm searching for this, but I just can't find a way to do it. And I'm detached from it. And my, my iPhone is, 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 is what takes most of my time. 
So actually, the all the people I interviewed had gone through what I would call their own spiritual journey, if you like. So it's a very cliched way to describe it, but it's true. Mm. And I suppose it resonates with me because I feel that that was what I did. And um, most of them had and were, typically were all born into a religion. I mean, mm-hmm. like faith is a huge thing globally. And usually you are born into religion as I was and, and um, probably the same for you. Um, and they all got to a point then where they thought, oh, this doesn't really, this particular one doesn't really sit with me well. And they moved away from it, started working, had different priorities, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so then a lot of them then found that they were struggling maybe with life or that they felt that there was something missing, if you like. So that was probably the, the first. Um, and then slowly by... Sh- but surely, usually through entering through a new modality. So they found yoga or they found meditation or they read a book, whatever it was, and they piqued their interest again. And then they started looking again into, um, I suppose, what what do they believe? Started giving themselves permission to spend some time on it. And they all talked about how hard it is to talk about. Um, And depending on who I mention it to, some people go, oh, my God, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. And other people look at me and go, oh, God, are you weird? Like, you know, that it does bring up that kind of it makes people feel uncomfortable Um, or they think you might be a bit of a hippie or, you know, people expect me to turn up in a caftan or whatever. Like, you know, I think that depending on your audience, it can be not you don't always feel that you can speak about it. So eventually, I suppose they all came back to a place where it became clearer for them what spirituality meant in their life. Um, And for almost all of them, it meant a belief in a connection to something. They described it as many different things, a higher power, um, a presence. um, Somebody described it as the fabric that connects us all. I loved that. I thought that that was really beautiful. Um, Somebody else described it as, you know, it's my inner dialogue with the universe. um, And that was central to the experience. And it led to greater meaning and purpose in their lives. And it led to greater authenticity. So I'm not sure if that answered the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the the how many people do you speak to? I spoke to four. Okay. Um, so I kept it. How, you can, how did you pick them? I, I got them to self-select. So I didn't want people that were friends of mine or okay. in my, because I know them too well and, you know, right. you have a, a view. So what I did was I posted on social media um, and I posted, I got people to share it. So typically the people who came back to me were people who weren't directly involved in my life, but might have been a friend of a friend or it was shared and it was somebody. So I interviewed two people in Ireland and two people in the UK. Okay. Um, and I picked a small number. Um, so I could have done um, different like thematic analysis where you're trying to figure out how many times something is, is evident. I chose a, a phenomenological approach because what I was trying to understand was how do people make sense of their life experiences? So a bit like Phenom- sorry. phenomenological. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah. So okay. trying to understand how people make sense of their life experiences. And, okay. and for that, you need a smaller sample size. And the reason I chose that was a bit like when I asked you, what does spirituality mean to you? I mean, one of the first things that you said to me was, I don't really believe in anything. But then you started talking about what is spiritual Mm -hmm. in your life, community, connection and so forth. And I wanted to do that rather than say spirituality has to mean something to you. I wanted to understand how you make sense of it in your own life. And so that and so it tends to be a much deeper way of researching. You're kind of looking at the meaning behind people's words Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I chose that because I really wanted to kind of get into the experience of it rather than to get hung up on like, you know, you call it God, I call it a higher power kind of nonsense, sure. which doesn't really lend itself to anything. So um, so and it was absolutely I mean, I love talking to people anyway, which is probably evident. Um, <laughs> but I love hearing people's stories and it was an absolute pleasure to sit with people and to and to ask them questions and for them to answer me so honestly as well, like, you know, for something that's so personal to them. But that, that I think that is at the at the, at the basis of what, um, and I, I call it social fabric for that very reason because it's the fabric of society that I believe is kind of tearing apart mm. a little bit, and I think the fact that we do like to talk to one another, it's it's ingrained in us. Mm. We all do. I mean, I think the ninety nine percent of us would like to sit down and have a conversation, but a lot of us don't do it anymore um, for different reasons. I don't know what the reasons are. Is you know we don't trust each other as much. We we are too distracted with other things. Like you take the dart. I used to get the dart every morning to go to work years ago, and and we all had a book, and we all read a book or a newspaper, and invariably have a quick chat about the headlines or something. But mm. now it's harder because most of us have the headphones on. Sure. And look, don't get me wrong, I listen to audiobooks, I listen to podcasts, and I love I love that space on my own on the dart, but it is harder. There's an element, of, there's a barrier between us that that is created by, by whatever, but the new environment that we created. Um, yeah, I think that, I suppose that's, that's almost a podcast in itself, if you like. You know, it's very, there's so many reasons and I can speculate on, on what I feel are some of them. Um, I think we're too busy um, and I think we've made um, industries out of being busy. Um, and I think that when, and I think that we are looking for externally what we can only find internally. Um, and again, that sounds very cliched, but it's absolutely correct. Um, and as a result, we are running around the place, working really hard, buying, 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 doing, 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 hoping that we will find a self of a sense of fulfillment, a sense of who we are. Um, and we can't. And when we do that and we don't spend time connecting to ourselves, how are we supposed to connect to other people? How are we supposed to connect to the planet around us? Um, so the first thing we have to do is slow down. Um, but the, and but then to connect with yourself, you have to face yourself as well. And a lot of people don't want to do that because it might mean realizing actually what I'm doing is not congruent with who I am um, or that uh, I know that there is something I need to face. Maybe there's a pain there. Maybe there's been a trauma in the past. Um, and I suppose it takes an awful amount of courage to do that. Um, and we don't live in a society that supports us to be different. We live in a society that encourages us to be the same. I mean, we, we, we can talk about religious organizations and I really I don't like to dwell on that because I don't want to there yeah, want to bash the religion. exactly we don't want to do that um and but I think that in general a lot of organizational structures a lot of societal structures are based around the idea of control and get everybody to do mm. the same thing um but the more we do that, the further we, we get away from who we are and what we are. Um, and a big thing it's, I say it on my website is that, like, you know, there's all of this talk about um, artificial intelligence and everything, which I think is phenomenal. I think it can really change our society, our world. But we seem to forget about what are the things that are innately human. And things that are innately human are connectivity, creativity, spirituality. Uh, and the more and more we can kind of outsource stuff that we don't want to do to, to AI, we should be looking at what makes us really, really human mm -hmm. um, and spending more time on that. Um, 
And again, we're, we, we're getting better at it. So conversations around well-being and so forth are, are much more encouraged um, and I think are becoming more mainstream. Um, but I don't think anybody's saying, you know, you should take some time to figure out who you are and what you want. Like, um, I just, yeah, I, I don't think we encourage it in ourselves and therefore we don't encourage it in other people. And the knock-on effect is absolutely huge and mm. um, we have so many problems in the world and for me a lot of it goes back to we're just not we're not connected it's almost like we're residing here but we don't like feel connected to the planet anymore so mm. that's so true let's break it up with another song what, what have you got what will i choose next it can be the 80s it's okay <laughs> no actually i'll pick keen so somewhere I'll we only oh, we know yeah, yeah. i love that song um, and actually, one of the things that um, I suppose goes back to connection as well, I was trying to think during the week, why do I love this song so much? It's also on my running playlist and I always listen to it. Um, and I think w- I like the idea of like, you know, having somewhere that we go and it can be, a, you know, it's almost like a secret place that you go with somebody who's very special to you. Um, and ultimately, I think one of the things that we're all looking for is, yeah, we're looking for connection, but we're looking for belonging. And that's what religion used to provide, as you said, the chat on the church on a Sunday morning. Um, but belonging is more for me, spiritual belonging, that you know that you belong in this world, that there is a place for you um, and that it doesn't necessarily have to be in a church or whatever, that you just understand that you're supposed to be here. And that song, I think, has always resonated with me for that reason that when, you know, life can just feel a bit all over the place. Sometimes you're too busy. I think when I listen to that song, it almost it it reminds me of a place of worship. But I don't mean that as a church. I mean it as in somewhere I go to look after myself, like, you know, whether that's to sit in nature or lie on my bed or whatever it is that there is that there is somewhere for you here. Um, And I think that. Again, going back to what we're talking about, about connection, I think people feel disconnected, but they also feel they're not sure where they belong. Um, And I think that we really need to create conversations and community around that. you a question then Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll delete it after <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we've talked about the idea that um, spirituality means something different to you if you like um, and why you set up this uh, podcast um, but then do you consider yourself to have a spiritual practice in your life I think so and I think um, my spiritual practice is probably a um, little bit outside of the normal um, what we hear of what you're supposed to you mentioned meditation you mentioned and I do believe it's a great thing the meditation I don't practice meditation um, okay let me start with another story because mm. I think the story normally brings it so again going back to India because a lot of people used to go to India to find themselves especially in the 60s and I met a lot of them in um, in Goa and these people were still there from the 60s and they hadn't found really themselves. They just found a really cool place to live. And look, they were great hippies sitting there, long hair, playing the drums. <laughs> Very happy, I'm sure. Yeah, it was fabulous, yeah. Uh, I was there for a completely different reason. I was there, f- 
I was there, I was sent there by a company, an Irish company, to set up a business there. So I was part of the Celtic Tiger, pre-Celtic Tiger expansion, you know, whatever they used to be called um, when you move, um, decentralization, whatever they called it. You know, we had hubs around the world that happened to be the guys set up the, the business in India. So I went there for a completely different reason than finding myself. I went there pretty much at the same time you were probably flying around the world making money or talking about money. So I arrived there and I had a very comfortable lifestyle as an expat, more money than I ever had. As a good friend of mine, Dara, put it, the illusion of being rich. Mm. We just never had to think about money. And all of that was coming together in the first six months. It was just the the great, uh, there was a great um, sense of newness about the whole thing. And it was just, just great, you know. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, this is not me. It just came like literally overnight. I was like, oh, that's not really what I'm at. That's not, I'm not really interested in all this. And from there on, it started to be more. So I got into yoga with some friends um, and two American, American Sikhs, second generation Sikh, very spiritual people, um, much newer religion for them, although the Sikh religion is a lot older but for them it was newer so it was a really interesting conversation started to have happen and i remember going to do yoga in this place which was a i was upstairs from a baker or something it was just a completely nondescriptive place and i can never remember the name of the the guru but every time i mentioned his name everybody said oh really you went to him I was like, yeah, yeah. He, he was a complete normal guy but he, he obviously had a sense for spirituality i always remember him after a couple of days saying to me look you don't need to do the home um, meditation <laughs> because that won't mean anything to yeah. you. But I can see the spirituality in you. And uh, so when you do your meditation at the end of your, your practice, I used to do an hour and a half every morning. So it was pretty intense Ashtanga yoga. Mm. And then you do the 10, 15 minutes of relaxation. He would say, just count when you breathe, just count numbers. And that way, you empty your mind of everything else. And it was really hard. It took me months to, to master it. But I did find um, that place and the teaching of this man got me closer to a spiritual place. Mm. Um, things happened while I was there. Um, there was uh, there was families. Um, uh, my sister died when I was there. And she was in Italy. I was there, so it was really hard. Sure. But... Uh, I always remember getting up and going in there to do yoga that morning, you know, and uh, and it was amazing. It was an amazing way to to get closer to her. Mm -hmm. And uh, so not from there on, but I think that was pretty much the catalyst. I realized, yes, I can I can be I can find my spirituality. Um, some people call it prayers. I don't call it prayer, but there was a moment that through counting to 10 breaths, one nostril, then the other or whatever, mm. it just got me to a place that I needed to be. And uh, so I'm guessing that is a spiritual experience. I still do things like that. It was, it was through breathing like this morning, for example, I got up and I went for a run on my own. Mm. I normally go with my friends. Nobody was available and it was great. This morning was great because I needed to be on my own. Mm. I needed to have a bit of time on, by myself I didn't even bring the dog mm. because I needed to have a think about things 
but I, I, I guess over the years I learned that um, to my mind spirituality is um, it's getting getting to a place that you're comfortable with that the people near you can benefit from mm. whatever that is mm. and it can be a simple like the power of hugging somebody mm. I think it's, it's just lovely you know and um, or as I say, like we go for a coffee every morning in a little place where we always go and it's almost like cheers to the same people every morning. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a bit of a laugh, but it's just a, a nice way to start the day. And everybody, you kind of know that everybody's there looking after you. Mm. Or there is that feeling of you belong somewhere. So, And I had this conversation recently um, with somebody that goes to church and has been going to church forever and ever. And recently, cracks started to show in in his own particular religion to do with um, same-sex marriages. Mm. The church doesn't believe that it's correct and is not on the Bible according to them. And that's broken up that congregation, a small congregation, has been broken by this particular directive that's coming from the heads of the church, which completely goes against well, my understanding of being nice to the mm. next person. Um, and it's a shame because it's breaking up a congregation, it's breaking up, it's disillusioning older generation that have always been part of that congregation. And that's really where the um, the issue with religion comes in for me. And I've always had it for the popes, you know, as I said, I grew up in Rome, so mm -hmm. I've seen the wealth and the nonsense that goes on in the Vatican. I don't care what people say. That should not be there. That should be a museum. Mm. Uh, if you're a Catholic, find another place to go mm. to worship. There's no need for the Vatican and, and the way it is, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Because it, it, it far removes... I always thought of that the poor guy that might come all the way from Brazil on a pilgrimage. Yeah. And I've, I've sat in St. Peter's Square many times and uh, looking at the the devotees, which I think is fabulous. And they come over there, and the last time I was there, well, it wasn't last time, it was a couple of years ago, we were there in New, um, Easter, and we sat there, there was a big, there's always a big long queue to get into the St. Peter's. It could take two hours to get into the church. Mm. And one one of the, the, the side of the church was being done up, so they put this lovely um, pictures of what's behind, which is great, it keeps it. But the picture was sponsored by one of the, I think it was Vodafone or whatever mm. it was. And there's the, the hands, you know, the hands going up the sky and the something, whatever, the tagline. I was like, this must be so depressing if you're a believer and you've done a pilgrimage from wherever to see, and I'm saying Vodafone, it could have been something else. Yeah, yeah. Sponsoring the, what you believe in, you know, so that's where everything falls down for me and it goes back to my coffee morning with mm. my friends or my run or my chat with you now yeah. uh, where we're making a connection and hopefully we'll making out of the conversation somebody listening will go oh yeah now i can maybe i should go for a run instead yeah. of giving out about the church yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i think it's a, i think it's as simple as that yeah no no no. i'm not sure if that answers the question yeah no it does. does can i pick up on something that yeah, you said because yeah. you talked about going for a run on your own this morning mm -hmm. and then you talked about obviously you have coffee and mm -hmm. you like the fact that there's community there are both of those equally important to you very much so yeah very much so um the 
what I have going with uh, with the friends I have, we create, we have a little group, and it's gone beyond the it, the run is just part of it. We were mm. just talking about that this morning. Running is like we talk all the time, mm. and, and some days we happen to go running, some days we happen to go for for a pint, some days we do something else, um, and and it's, it's very much it's very very important. It's very important to know. I said this to my daughter recently. One of my friends, Ross, was supposed to come around to the house. I can't remember why. And he texted me. He said, I'm, I'm on my way. And mm. I said, I texted him back. I said, actually, don't. I'm busy. I have some other stuff to do. And she said, but you can't say that. I said, well, I can. He's my friend. Mm. <laughs> and just I don't have to. I don't mm. have to pretend with him or with any of the other guys. They don't have to pretend with me. So it's easy. It's a very easy way. But we're also very good at talking to one another about serious stuff mm. um, and also not talking it, it, it's not everybody always together so I can mm. pick one out of the group but they can pick another one out of the group if that particular conversation is important to uh, with Andrea or with Ross or whoever else mm. and, so they're very much equally important and it's important to know that if I want to go for a run on my own this morning I ain't going to run for I don't have to be in the pack all the time mm. Um that's also important, you know, yeah. and, and that I think uh, when you mention mindfulness and uh, meditation, I just again I find it's becoming an industry, and and that's driving me mad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I share that view. Yeah, so, yeah. I really do believe all of that is important, but it, I think it's the the needle is it's gone the other side now because people feel they have to do this, and mm. it's counter counterintuitive. If you need to relax or have a think about it you don't necessarily have to do everything that is mm -hmm. prescribed it's prescribed script you know run do this you know you don't you know some days you might just need to stay in bed and watch 20 episodes of friends <laughs> i couldn't agree more <laughs> but no, and i think that that's what's happening with don't get me wrong i think meditation and mindfulness mm -hmm. are great but we are turning them into a commodity like yeah. we do with absolutely yeah. everything um, and i think that we take the individual out of practice then yeah. like you know instead of saying to people why do and that was one of the beautiful things about interviewing people like somebody like people talked about um i do yoga i do meditation i do reiki for example i go mountain biking on my own i like to go for a walk in nature on my own um, I like to journal, I like to write, like it was just, and these were only four people and they had so many different ways of connecting. Um, and I think that we need to, instead of saying to people, you meditate for 10 minutes every day and that'll make you better and then you won't be stressed anymore. Like, you know, that's not the way it works. Um, but we try to box it up and make it nice so we can put it into an app and then people can use it. So no, no, I completely agree. Um, and I think that what was interesting about you was you said like, you know, sometimes I want to be on my own and sometimes I want to be with people. And again, I think that people don't prioritize the alone own time sure. enough within their life as well so let's break it up again another song number five. Oh god um <clears throat> i went for an interesting choice this time um so i don't know whether you know the freddie mercury song barcelona oh ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yes um so for an, i remember the 1992 olympics when that was out in in barcelona and you remember the you could see the diving board was up over the city um, and I was only like, I was 13 at the time. So, um, and I loved it. Um, but I, and I always, I feel very drawn to Spain. When I'm in Spain, I feel very connected to Spanish people. Um, I have a lot of friends there. Um, and then last year I decided to live in
live in Spain for the year while I was doing my master's um, and I lived in Barcelona for the year um, and that's also on my running playlist as well there's a theme here of music that I listen to when I'm running um, but yeah the, the song I loved when I was a child it was unusual like I was 13 it was an unusual song for a 13 year old to like but I remember loving it I always remember that those Olympics and watching the diving um, and I've, I went oh, you can see you can go to the pool there in, in Barcelona if you're there um, and for some reason I always just felt that I should spend some time there so last year I did and there you go that's why I chose the song pray and do you do go to church so were you born in what Catholic I was born Catholic okay. yeah yeah um, do I go to church okay so I'd answer that question in two ways no mm. I don't attend any religious services sometimes do I go into church and light a candle yes okay. um, and I said I feel I feel I love spiritual buildings I think churches can be absolutely amazing now the, the, the flip side to that is the point you're making that they are absolutely amazing because so much money has gone into the institution over the years but um, despite that I love temples I, there's something sacred about them actually that I think is beautiful um, and I like to go on but I think it's a solitude point as well I think when you go into um well, it doesn't matter churches are more common here but like obviously I go to temples or whatever if I'm abroad um even doing the Camino is a very sacred place if you like um so I go in and you don't go in for a chat with your friend when you go into church I tend to go in alone mm -hmm. I could be just passing it. It doesn't happen that regularly and I might light a candle. Um, and it reminds me of my childhood. Um, so my grandparents lived on this road where typically in Ireland there was three houses and a church. Like, you know? In but Dublin? The, or? In kind of about, yeah, well, my family are from North Dublin, so kind of like 20 miles north of the city. Okay. It was kind of an old country road with a church um, and they were the key holders to the church. So they lived across the road. So when we were kids, um, Sometimes they were locking up and we'd be over and they used to say, oh, you know, come with us and we'd make sure all the candles were out and the whole lot. And um, so I remember that fondly. Um, but then I think I have a kind of a connection to to spiritual buildings as well. Um, on the praying side, do I pray? Um, I meditate. I don't do the kind of the counting meditations. I tend to do more visual meditations. So sometimes I even write my own and I record them. Um, and often I will meditate. I always imagine that like, you know, life is almost like something that you're trying to water inside yourself all the time. So do I pray? Not necessarily. I don't kind of like, you know, say, dear God. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'll say, you know, I'm looking for a bit of guidance and help me. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to do things. And I find the more still I become, and this is again going back to connecting with yourself, something in definitely not my mind, but my intuition or my heart or whatever um, will tell me something. Um, so I think, and again, back, you used the word surrender earlier on. The less I try to control and predict, the more I find the answers within myself. So I figured that's probably 
sort of praying um, it's recognizing I think I suppose I believe that there is uh, a higher power a presence something that connects us all um, and sometimes I need to shut up and listen to that rather than try and find the answers myself um, and I feel the same way about creativity as well um, so I like to write for example and I don't think that necessarily always comes from my brain uh, when I write well I can feel it in my body um, so I kind of feel that it's coming from my heart and there's a lot of research now around your intuition um, heart um, coherence um, around like you know the mind uh, is not the only brain that there is like the gut and the heart the as feeling, well yeah. so I'm feeling and I think that I tend to feel things rather than uh, cognitively um, think them. It was a very long way of answering your question. Okay. So it's not that I don't pray. I don't pray in the conventional way. Okay. Um, but I think when you were talking about listening to someone earlier on, I suspect it was Marianne Williamson, was it? It was. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of her. Um, and I listened to I read a lot of her books. I listened to her talks um, and she talks about praying and she does pray um, sometimes. And I think prayer, meditation, mindfulness, they're kind of all the same thing, just depending on, on what you want, you want to do. So and what when you say you write your own um, meditation, is it kind of a mantra? Um, repetitive. Or? I like mantra. Actually, yeah. one of my songs is a mantra for okay. for later. <laughs> That'll be the next one that you ask me. Um, what do I write? Uh, so it really depends on my humor. Um, I do use mantra meditations, and I'm I'm a certified mindfulness teacher, which um, I don't teach a lot. Uh, but this will probably tell you who I am. I don't. I when I decide I'm interested in something, I usually go off and like you know do a course in it yeah. or, or or research it for two years as I did with yeah. spirituality. Um, so I like mantra meditation because I really think it really gets you out of your head. Um, so I do that sometimes. But no, sometimes I write um, like I wrote a, a kind of a short meditation around walking through a garden um, and it's a grounding meditation for me. So you imagine yourself, you have no shoes on, you're walking through the grass um, there's a river running by, the river is going slowly. Uh, it's usually what I need. So it's kind of telling me, slow down, connect to the earth beneath yourself. Like, you know, the river's not in a hurry, kind of those kind of ideas. Yeah, so yeah. Um, and that it usually it comes out to me because I can't find exactly what I'm looking for. And there's hundreds of meditations. Meditations. You go into YouTube. I use Insight Timer, for example. But sometimes I want a particular meditation. So I sit down and I write it myself um, and then I record it and listen to it when I need it. So Brilliant. give us your sixth song. So there this one I found actually kind of it's the, I'll use the, the mantra one now since we've been um, talking about it. And then I'm going to ask you a question because I feel like you're, you're getting the balance of power in questions yeah, yeah. here. Well, it, is my podcast. <laughs> it is your podcast. That's very true. Um, this I so I was writing my dissertation during the summer and I always listen to music when I'm writing. Um, so uh, I kind of gone back to kind of the idea of transcendence, but I achieve flow when I'm writing and when I'm listening to music. So, you know, this idea that you're kind of you lose sense of um, of time. Um, and I sometimes listen to YouTube um, like something I listen to all the time is Tubular Bells 2, you know, by Mike Ophield. That I figured that was too long to put down today. It's 26 minutes long. And I get that from my dad. My dad's an artist and he listens to music when he's painting. So and he used to listen to that when I was a child and I now listen to it when I'm writing. Um, but randomly one day then, you know, YouTube then clicks to the next song and I was writing away and this peace mantra came on, which was Tina Turner, of all people, singing. It was from 2011. I'd never heard it before. It's really beautiful. I'll send you the link um, mm -hmm. 
to it um, and she is singing the mantra and a group of children are singing it back to her and it's just really really beautiful um, and when I found it then then I started listening to it nearly every day when I was writing and it nearly was the first song I listened to to kind of get into because it was it's a, it's a meditation in itself yeah she practiced meditation yeah. she has been for years yeah and she did this whole album of, of a kind of mantras if you like yeah so um, so now I listen to that all the time so and it's really lovely Is there anything that you would like to do in a spiritual sense that you haven't done so far or you feel that you can't? I'm not sure how to answer that other than I'm a great believer in the power of community. Mm. I'm a great believer in the power of individuals getting together. I, mean, I think it was Gandhi who said, oh, I can't remember who it was, who said every river starts from a drop or mm. something. So I'm a great believer in all of that. that the, the, the simple thing that you know smile in the morning and everybody you know the person next to you is gonna smile you know nine out of ten people are gonna smile at you it's true yeah um and then your life is gonna be a little bit nicer that morning instead of just keep your head down and not talking to everybody so spiritually what i would like to do i i, I don't know um i think i practice what i i don't even preach I mean, yeah I think I practice what, I, what, <laughs> what I you believe, believe in yeah and uh small little things every day that I try to do. I keep saying to my kids, my kids are now 19 and 16, so they're no longer kids, but I can't, I, can't, I think I always said it to them. I always said, look, be honest and be nice to the next person. That's really all I think there is to life. Everything else kind of it will be dictated by the connections you make, the right or wrong. Sometimes you have to go on the wrong way before you find the right way. And, uh, and I hope they don't find too many wrong paths in their life but I, I think I was always a little bit lucky in that way that my the teaching of my parents which were very simple when I say simple people you know my dad drove a train and mom was a housewife um, but they had their their values and their values were quite simple but very important and we were all taught from very young age that uh, that it doesn't matter who you're dealing with. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. He or she is a human being. And you need to treat everybody, treat them with respect. And of course, as a teenager, you just don't care. You think, mm. yeah, well, <laughs> you think it doesn't uh, matter I know until much it does. Than yeah. that. But that stood me uh, over the the half a century I've been on this earth. So I think little things like that I do quite constantly. I do believe in uh, just. Really, when I believe in something, I really do drag people along with me for the right reason. And it could be, it could be I'm talking to one of my customers and we discuss what I've done that morning and I'm quite excited about it. It could be a run, it could be a swim in the sea, it could be the book I just read. Or, And I notice over the years that the little things happen when somebody comes back to me and says, Oh, by the way, I've, I've started to do this because I remember you told me, or oh, I've seen you doing it or you're... So I, I I don't know in, in that way is is that's a way to spread well being that to my mind it's mm -hmm. an easy way of doing biosmosis almost so if you see me every morning 
and I'm having a good time having a coffee with my friends, you might go, well, maybe I should go and have a coffee in there. Or, mm. And I'm just saying to keep it very, yeah, very yeah, basic, no, simple. Yeah. Um, again, I, I don't like prescribed, I don't like groups, I don't like uh, committees, I don't like... Mm. Um, memberships I, I never do like I just can't deal with that because it just it becomes prescription mm-hmm. and I don't like prescription but I like the fact that each one of us can find the right time the right thing to do at the right moment because I'm having a conversation with Fiona and we're talking about spirituality and by default this afternoon and tomorrow I'll be thinking more about it and mm-hmm. I'll be researching a bit more about it because it interests me. Mm-hmm. But the same token we could be talking about something else that did would not bother me at all. And I might not do anything for another couple of weeks, but then then I might go so if you if you if you really are talking to me about cars, I have no interest in cars. Mm. That they don't do anything for me. They get me from A to B. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what a car is made of. And my dad was a mechanic. <laughs> but but even that, I, I I like to think that I give you the, the time of the day to explain to me about cars. Mm. And then maybe maybe next time I go, OK, maybe I should really look into it a bit more because there's something there that it excites this person. So mm. so is it something I haven't done? No, I think I'm quite happy the way I'm, I'm moving along in, in this world without... Uh, uh, I'm doing no harm. Mm-hmm. That's my main thing. I'm not doing any harm to anybody. Uh, and I'm trying not to do any harm to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever do, I like to apologize for it. But I don't start the day to go, okay, time to screw somebody. Mm. Um, and I, I think my values are pretty simple. And they are not, uh, there's very few material things associated with it. Mm. I'm not saying I have to make money to pay the mortgages and all the right. But that's... Yeah, that's the consequences of the life we live uh, we live in. You, know, yeah. you buy a house, you have to pay for it, and so I don't know if I answer your question, no, but you... I don't think I don't feel like oh I should be doing more. Mm. I think it, the bit I'm doing, I'm happy with what I'm doing, and I like to surround myself with the right people mm-hmm. to to uh, achieve more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this vehicle is what I'm trying to do is. Look, if somebody out there, and there has been little drops of people going, sending messages, say, look, I'm doing this and I'm not starting this. And I'm going, okay, that's great. One mm. person's changed for the better. Uh, because listen to a conversation with, with the right guests at the right time in their lives. And this, again, I just finished a book by uh, Gladwell and it talks about coupling, you know, talking to strangers. It's I read really it, yeah, it's a really good book. book. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the coupling and the, the transparency. And it's so easy, it's so easy to to make up our mind very quickly mm-hmm. about somebody because of the standards we have ingrained in us, you know, and the way we look, the way we, what we drive, the way, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. So mm. I like to think that the more I learn, the more I'm, I'm getting closer to understand more the person across from me for the right reason. Mm. That's, uh, and that I believe is part of the spiritual self to be able to allow that to happen uh, if somebody else not to put up a barrier mm. um, I remember talking to one of my previous guests Judy McAdam she, uh, she she was talking about spirituality and angels and uh, mm-hmm. and whatever question she asked me she said okay you just put up your barrier yeah. said, but you put up your barrier halfway up you didn't put it all the way up and I said that's fair enough because that's right I was like what are you talking about you know yeah, yeah. angels and stuff but but then, you know, I listened to her. Did it change my mind? Not necessarily, but 
that doesn't mean that she was wrong, you know. And I think there's something incredibly powerful about like there's two things that you've said there that I think are really powerful. One, you understand your place in the world and what mm. you can do to mm. contribute. Um, and I think that you don't underestimate what your impact could be as well. Mm. Like, you know, because I'm a big like for me, I come on here today. I'm asking you questions. What I'm really doing is opening up a conversation mm. around spirituality and trying to say to people, it can be whatever you want. Uh, and it might only one person might listen to this and go, that's interesting. And honestly, that's enough. That's enough. Um, and I think the other thing is around we need to learn to be more open minded. And I think mm. that's like your conversation with Judith, that we're able to say, don't necessarily agree with you, no. but I'm willing to listen to you and and appreciate your experience of life I mean I think if we can do that for each other that's really powerful absolutely and I, and again to go back to why we're doing this what I'm doing with this podcast the, the people that are coming on this podcast it's anybody and everybody mm. you don't have to be famous you don't have to be rich you don't have to be you don't have to have an app or I'm none of those things so <laughs> you just have to be yeah and because I keep saying without you there wouldn't be me without mm. me there wouldn't be the musician without the musician there wouldn't be the guy built the, the, the stadium for him to play in you know and and i think that as a society we we keep creating these pedestals mm. that, that are removing us from the rest like it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day you know to be quite biblical about it you know it's ashes to ashes mm. it's about all we have left you know we don't have much there you know it's just a bit of a number of molecules and uh, bashing together to make what make us what we are and then then it's all over in whatever 80 <laughs> years <laughs> if we're lucky <laughs> 80 or 90 whatever it is 70 years whatever it is so yeah no keep it simple is very much them the way i like to think our spirituality and if i have time i'll ask one more question if i do yeah, well, nobody has yet. banged at the door no, yet and then i'll ask you the last one okay and <laughs> because um, you've talked you've actually covered a lot of my questions so other questions if you hadn't touched on it i would have asked around uh community for example your professional life and um, what role do other people play but as you can see organically people arrive at these subjects yourselves but something you didn't talk about was is there a relationship between your version of spirituality and your emotional life I don't know how to uncouple that. Um, well, I suppose you could answer, I could ask it in a different way. Does your spiritual mm. belief, practice, whatever, inform how you your how, how you uh, the role your emotions play in your life? Yeah, it does. Well, it does. Yeah, it will do. And 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 because and sometimes we say you know wisdom comes with age and mm. all that, which it does. Um, because again, if I was talking to my uh, eighteen-year-old self, there's a lot of things I'd like to say. Now I'm trying to say it to my son. It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> no. Because, and I hope he, he will listen to this. Because it's not. Because you don't, you can't be told things. It's really hard to be told. Like you mentioned, going up in the mountains and do that retreat and spending eight hours on your own. The reality is not nice. We don't like mm. to be told and we don't like to see deep inside what we really are. And um, and if a father tells you, look, that's my experience, that's what you should be doing, it's pretty much that. It's putting a mirror up to your face. Mm. But you want to know, you know, you want to be able to to look at the mirror when the time is right. And and I always had this idea, you know, you look in the mirror, I always look amazing in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the way I like to look. Yeah. But it's amazing. Sometimes you you catch a glance of yourself in in a shop window and go, oh, really? Is that mm. me? 
but then with wisdom and, and age, you come to a point where it goes, well, actually, you know what? I'm quite happy with mm. that reflection in the mirror because a lot of things start to fall off that don't need to be there. So to answer your question, there's info absolutely, because once I know that a lot of things don't matter as much as they used to, and whether it was money or was, um, uh, youth or whatever, all those things, they don't matter as much as the importance of making a connection, the importance of living, like my professional life, I sell clothes, I sell footwear, I mean the wholesale business, I'm not saving the world. Mm. And that's always said from day one, I'm not gonna save the world with this, so I need to figure out a way to contribute in a different way. But if I can walk out of, of, of one of my customers walks out of my showroom and it feels slightly better than it did when it came in, because we might talk about doing a half marathon or a marathon in Belfast or mm. whatever. Then I think um, then my, my professional life has, has improved because of it. Does it improve the bottom line at the end of the year? I don't know. And I don't really worry too much about that. Mm. I do my job at the best of my capabilities. There's certain things you have to do. doesn't matter what job you do. You have to do certain things. You have to generate an income that need, is needed for everything else. I mean, the, the utopia of going back to Barter and all that it doesn't happen for mm. It doesn't work. But uh, so I do what I do the best of my capability, but I like to throw in the bits I'm learning every day. Um, and I'd be similar to you in terms of if I hear something, I go and research it. And now the. The, the the flip side of the of the the mobile phones and the online it's everything's there <laughs> you can really find yeah, anything yeah. you want you can best you can be sucked into too much information or you can really kind of sift through and go okay well i want to learn about mindfulness i want to learn about spirituality and just pick what what is more important and make up your mind and make up your decision so very long um, and tangential <laughs> answer to it. I think, uh, I think it does, yeah. um, and for the better. And yeah. I, which it goes back to what you're doing with your coaching. I'm assuming just make sure somebody can find that what really matters um, within uh, within themselves. Like I was talking to Dr. Gareth McGovern yesterday, um, the previous podcast, and he's talking about addiction and how addiction starts. So we can be addicted to all sorts of things and it starts because of something, mm. a vacuum there somewhere. And and unfortunately, we all have an addiction to something, whatever mm. that is. Some of them are really good and positive addiction, could be exercise, but even that could go beyond. Even that is another, it's a more far. socially acceptable yeah, addiction, I would say, yeah. But if you take addiction to alcohol or drugs, he was saying, it goes, it starts off for a reason and you're using the substance to fill that vacuum. But then, then that substance takes over and then you actually forget why you started. Mm -hmm. And that's where he works on the addiction to go, okay, how are we going to decouple this? If once you find within yourself what really matters mm -hmm. and how that and a lot of people now talking about the best version of yourself. I mm. suppose that that's what it is. What's your best best version of yourself? But the best version of yourself is also in different situations. Yeah, you can't always be the same person. And I don't care what people say. You know, you can mm. be quite honest about who you are, but 
you do adapt. You have to adapt. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that the person across from the table from you is happy enough and it's comfortable enough to to spend time with you to to make the best out of the people across from you. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, very true. So that's a long. No, no, no. Uh, and it's something that you said really resonated about your 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 son everybody has to find their own way like even I talk about like that retreat and I had been on retreats before and the whole lot but that I only I suppose was able to tap into what I wanted to do because of the pre like the rest of my life you know I think if I'd gone on that retreat 10 years earlier it would have been completely lost on me like you know I was just I was old enough to be able to to want to do the work to tap into what I wanted to do and to be brave enough to make the decision to do it then as well because once you decide as I'm sure it was the same for you when you're doing a Mm -hmm. podcast then you're thinking how am I going to do this what will I do like you know so I think a little bit of maturity and a little bit of life lessons along the way help and um, he's going to have to do it his own way unfortunately absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) listen we we could talk forever. I know. We, we might we <laughs> might do a second a second one on on if we pick a topic and do a second one. But um, I'm gonna leave it with um, just give me a couple of words of wisdom. Your quotes. What, oh what quotes. gets you up in the morning? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, what gets me up in the morning? I would say I'm a very enthusiastic person about life anyway, and I've been like that true, um, in everything I do. Um. So it doesn't take a lot for me to get up in the morning and I'm an early riser. I like, sometimes I like to get up and watch the sunrise. Um, but what are, I don't know, I just think that you have to connect in with who you are and prioritise who you are. And then everything in life just starts to fall into place then. And again, I'm, I'm always reluctant for anything that sounds cliched kind of goes into the same mm. work commodifying mm. it. And like you just talked about, you know, people talk about being your best self. For me, that's just another Instagram tagline. It's just like, and, and we what we mean is be your best self in a way that makes the rest of us feel comfortable. So we don't really mean that at all. Um, but Work like this, make very purpose driven work makes me very happy. And like you, I'm not getting paid for this. Like, you know, it's just I genuinely I love talking to people about it. I feel that we need more of this in our lives. Um, and the more I lean into things that make me feel that way, the more happier my life becomes. Um, and I still have to do things to make money. I mean, that's sure. the way the world works and the whole lot. Um, but if you can spend a little bit of time with yourself, spend have a little bit of a practice, whether it's a run on your own, doing a bit of journaling or whatever, and t- tap into what makes you tick. It doesn't matter if it's different to everybody else um, and try and find a way to integrate that into your life. Then I just think the rest of it falls into place over time and be patient with yourself because it doesn't happen overnight as well. So um, I don't have any big, you know, I, and I'm, I don't like prescriptions. I think we share that mm. in common where, you know, if you take these 10 steps, you're going to transform sure. your life and then you're going to be really purpose driven. That's not the way it works. Um, and I think the more you get to know yourself, the more the clearer everything else um, becomes. Um, so if I was to give one word of wisdom, I would say spend 10 minutes with yourself every day. Ask yourself a few questions. Fabulous. What's the last song that we're going to leave the listeners with? I can't actually remember my last song. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. I wrote them down before I came up. I had so many this week. I was like, I don't even know where to uh, start. But I did come up with. Ah, I remember the last song now. Sorry. Everything Now, Arcade Fire. Oh, lovely. Um, 
So I love this song. It's really upbeat and happy. But actually, there's a really message which I think kind of encompasses everything that we've talked about today that in this kind of in the world of everything being like, you know, how can we have absolutely everything in this moment? And we are over consuming. We are running away from who we are. All of that. And this is a nice, happy, non-judgmental song that is on that theme. Um, So, yeah. Maybe a nice way to finish the podcast as well. Pure English. Thanks a million for Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it.